Welcome to A Better Tomorrow, hosted by me, Evelyn, and my co-host, Tuha. In today's episode, we talk to Rahayu, a primatologist and member of the National Geographic's Early Career Leadership Program. She is currently managing the Java Gibbon Research and Conservation Project. In addition to discussing this project, we discuss the protection of the endemic species Java Gibbon in Indonesia, habitat loss, and how we can educate people on conservation. Hi, Rahadu, and welcome to our podcast, A Better Tomorrow. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today and for setting aside some time to do this. We are super happy that you wanted to talk to us about your work. So let's begin. How about you start by introducing yourself and to tell us a little bit more about your research and conservation project. Okay. Um, hello, my name is Raha Yogdafiani, but well, it's it's just too long, so you just can call me Ayu, that's fine. And currently, I'm uh, leading um, Japan Gibbon Research and Conservation Project, or known as the Oa Halimun in the local name. And uh, we are trying to um, preserve the only small ape living in Java Island, Indonesia, uh, called Japan Gibbon through research, conservation education, and also the community engagement program. And how I got involved in this project, I think it was started uh, when I was conducted my bachelor thesis, and it was my first uh, encounter with the Japan Gibbon. And yeah, and at the time, I think it was love at the first sight. So it's like um, it was the first time for me to hear their song in the wild and at the time I knew that I want to learn more about these species and I think that's the starting point uh, that leading me to this path until right now. So the Javan Hibon, uh, are these species, are, are they under threat uh, of yes, some kind? Correctly. Yes, how, right. how long has it been like this? Um, for Japan Gibbon, so actually in the world itself, there's 20 species of the small ape or Gibbon, and there's nine species living in Indonesia, but there's only one species that living in Java Islands. And actually, um, there's their current status for now is the endangered, uh, they list as the endangered species because they have been threatened because of the habitat loss due to the deforestation, forest degradation, and also the illegal threat to keep them as pets. It's been going on for like, yeah, more than 10 years for now. Oh, that's horrible to hear. Yeah, um, correctly. Yeah. So why is habitat loss happening? Um, Java Island is one of the most densely populated islands. And the, how to call it, like, People need to develop more buildings for living and also the infrastructures, roads and everything. And it also have to remove the part of the forest area. And Japan Gibbon is the arboreal species. So it means they need the forest connectivity to moving and also to foraging and everything. And because of all of the human development, it pushed them deeper into the rest of the forest in the Java Island. And the habitat itself is not 
spreading into the island itself but it's very restricted only from the western part to several parts in the central java okay i see so how many java gibbons are there currently there's no um <coughs> There's no right um, numbers of the population because it's very difficult to get the assessment. Mm -hmm. But we predict it's approximately about 2,000 to 4,000 maximum the individuals. Wow, that's that's few. Yeah, that's really sad to hear. Yes, right. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about what what differentiates. The, the Javan Hibon project from other organizations that are currently also working on uh, helping these this primates? Mm, I see. Uh, unfortunately, there's not so many organizations um, focusing to conserve these species. There's only few, and we have really good relationship with all of them because we need to collaborate to reach the good impact for this species. But the one that I think differentiates between this project uh, to the others uh, is because we are trying to focus more to the investment through the conservation education program and also the community engagement. Because I want to, um, so the core, the core point of my project is the research. And I want the, 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 the result of this research is not um, is not only can be understood by the people in the academia or only in the science in the scientific community, but also to all of the people, even in the grassroots level. So I want to translate all of the research of the uh, the, the result of this research to all of the people. And one of the way is to conduct the conservation education program. So how, how um, because uh, when it comes to the education program, I saw on your website that you, you want to pr provide uh, education, but how do you plan to do that? And what is the target group to educate? Uh, so at the first, uh, we only focusing on the research program only, so like, we're, we're monitoring regularly the three groups of the Japan Gibbons, and then I think it's not, um, I think it's, it's not enough to, 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 to ask the conservation effort to save these species. We, we have to do more. And then starting from the last three years ago, um, I'm starting to, uh, to try to, to, to involve more local people in this program. And then I try to approach the school first because I think that's the first thing that we can do with the limited resources that we have currently and then we try to approach the schools so now we have regular class in two nearby schools the first school is like one hour by walk from our camp and I'm so surprising with the response from the teachers that's uh, really positive uh, receive us and they allow us to, to conduct the conservation education program regularly every Tuesday. Um, and we're targeting the, um, the fifth graders to sixth graders in the school. So now we have two schools. Yep. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, the school regularly, but another school is coming out. Yes. Okay. So a lot of things are happening. Yeah, <laughs> so what, what would you say are the locals, um, 
like like how have they reacted to this project like are they aware of this issue or yeah about the local perspective about our project so um since the beginning because because our focus is more about the research so it's like uh yeah i i realized there's a gap when we starting this project because we care more about the research and we go to the forest every day without without any mention any locals um to be involved in this project and then we started to involve them to be uh, research assistants with we training them and we involve them in the conservation effort and i think slightly their, their perspective is is changing into the uh, positive and then um yeah so for now i think we got really positive uh, response and positive perspective from the local because we we approach more to the local community than before mm -hmm. yeah okay so the locals are very um they're very involved in this as well indeed yeah so yeah, yeah i realized that uh, it's really important to involve human and also involve the local community that living nearby the habitat of the Java gibbon into this project yeah exactly because i was thinking i've been reading like some, I'm not an expert on this matter, um, but I've been a bit interested in, um, you know, like humans and animals, like, you know, the relations, like yeah. how can we live with the animals and not, you know, create habitat loss. Um, it's a big issue around the world, the human encroachment. Yes, right. Yeah, it's it's really big issue. That's one thing that we try to prevent. So that's mm -hmm. why uh, we try to working together with them. We try to collaborating with them by provide the ecotourism program. So actually, the, the, the local the local community already have this kind of the program, the ecotourism. But we want uh, we want to to to, to building and after, uh, to building the, their capacity to increasing to increasing their capacity to be like the good um good, a good or professional guide that also can the can transfer information about the conservation and also about the forest that um, they're living to the visitors. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, in Indonesia, like tourism is so big right now, maybe not <laughs> yes, specifically right. in Java, um, but definitely in Bali, for example. So okay. I'm, I'm happy that ecotourism is something that that's developing right now. Yeah, I think that's one of the um, best solutions that we can offer to living coexist between the human and also with the wildlife. Yeah, and would you also say that that gives, you know, a, an alternative way of, um, like an alternative job instead of, you know, doing loggings or fires and, yeah. Yes, right, yeah, by involving them in the research effort. Uh, they're in the, now they're in the front line of the conservation effort to save the species. So. Mm -hmm. They have like the hands-on experience about uh, what is the research made, what, why this research matters. So they can understand by 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 experiencing itself, yeah, by themselves. Yeah, and would you say that tourists are also aware of this when they come to Indonesia? Um, well, for my side itself, so this is the national park. So not so many people really come to the site um without special purpose so usually people come here because they want to see like the nature and also do the climate watching or the bird watching so yeah they're kind of aware but now we we have like the different trend like before 
because we have several visitors, that's all. Yeah, a lot of visitors that are coming from the nearby city or villages and just want to take pictures and also want to, yeah, just do selfie and everything around the <laughs> villages. Yeah. To have like the, yeah, how to say that, the nature experience, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like, we can, it, it's, it's the opportunity for us to, 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 to promote, to promote the conservation effort. So we try to build like the information board in the in the kampung in the in the village, mm-hmm. so the visitors can get the information about what we're doing and what is the um, the kind of the species that living nearby of the village and so on. Yeah. So so you so you research on these animals. Um, like, would you say like, are is it poaching that also occurs when it comes to Java gibbons? For Japan Kibon, yes. So uh, mm. besides of the habitat loss, deforestation, and everything, yes, the um, yeah poaching and to keep them as pets, especially. Oh. oh, I hate. Oh, yeah, that really breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Because they they belong in the wild. I mean, yeah, all animals exactly. belong in the wild. Exactly, and usually to get like people usually just like the baby because babies are cute. And mm-hmm. um, Japan Gibbon is living in the like the family group. They consist of like two to six individuals per group, so it's very small social group. And then to get the baby, the baby is really clinging into the mummy's belly, and usually uh, the hunter to get uh, to get the the baby. So yeah, he should he should shoot the mummies first. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's uh, oh, it's tough to. To hear that it's happening. Yeah, well, it's not happening in my side, but in a different side, yes, I, I heard about it and, and, and received reports. Yeah, so the Java gibbons, like from what I gather, like the Java gibbons can only be found in Java? Right. But there yeah, are exactly. gibbons around the world, like in other parts of the world. Yeah, so besides of the Japan gibbon in Asia, there's another eight species. So yeah, in total, there's nine species of gibbon in Asia. But in oh. Java itself, there's only one, the Java gibbon itself. Okay, I see. So, I, so both me and Evelyn saw that you're part of Women's Earth Alliance, which aims to empower women to protect the environment. Can That's you tell right. us a bit more about that? Uh, yeah, so this year I got the opportunity to participate in the Women Earth um, Alliance, the grassroots accelerator program. So it means that I got the opportunity to uh, increase my skill, uh, tools, and also the knowledge uh, together with other 26 women leaders from across Indonesia that coming from different sectors and also from different um, fields. And we're getting together online, of course, because of the COVID. And um, we share, uh, we got we got the training to increase uh, the, the impact that we want to make for the world, not for the world, for the, yeah, for the field that we are working right now. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, I think it sounds so, so cool that you're part of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful that um, I've been involving in this training program because I can learn more from other women leaders from different areas, from different regions in Indonesia. And yeah. we're not coming from the same field. So like for me, I'm specialized in the primates and the others are coming from like the um, 
the food resiliency and also the other topics like the dialectal traditional knowledge and others and I learned more from the other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everyone's learning a bit from everyone basically. Yes. Yes. How long uh, are you part of the, the women's, uh, women's Earth Alliance? Is there like a time limit for being uh, a member? Uh, so actually the, um, the training itself will be, um, it's going on for like four months. But after that, we still keep in contact and we got the mentors who, who, who give the advice for us to, to lead the project that we want. Okay, I see. Hmm. And we also saw that you've been selected as part of the 2020 class of National Geographic's Early Career Leadership Program. Oh my gosh, it's a long name. But it's so exciting. I mean, we would love to hear more about this incredible opportunity. Yeah, me too. Because, yeah, well, <laughs> Um, yeah, this is the, uh, one of, so I was the National Geographic Explorer. Explorer is like, um, they called, they grant the explorers. And I was the National Geographic Explorers in 2018. And I've been working together with them. So National Geographic Society has been supported, uh, some of the, my program, um, regarding the conservation education. And this year I apply for this um, training because I'm sure this training will give me more skills and also um, more confidence and the way how to how to spread the information in a better way. Yep. So the the program itself will be started in August this year. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be run in Washington D.C., but because of the COVID, uh, it has to be delayed into the next spring. I see. Okay. So it's not going to be digitally. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah later on, yeah. I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to have like the online meeting first in this August with the other 13 early career explorers. Mm-hmm. And they will meeting us with the, um, some kind of like the expert in the different fields. Okay. Yeah, I see. Yes. It's super exciting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you're a, you have a lot of projects <laughs> and you're doing such great job. Really. I am so happy that we found your page because I've actually been to um, Indonesia and not just Bali. Oh. I've been to Java. <laughs> okay. Which part of Java? Um, the capital. And then I, I was also in, I was hiking in the mountains oh, in Bromo, in Bromo. Oh, and Bromo. I see. It's beautiful. Yes. It's very beautiful. I, and I really liked uh, Java. I really liked it a lot. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah. and yeah, and I'm I'm so bummed that I didn't do enough research um, so that I knew what was happening with habitat loss and human encroachment and you know the Java gibbons. Just yeah, yeah. So so going back to the Java gibbon um, project, mm-hmm. how do you think we can educate people on the importance of protecting these animals and also? educate people about the consequences of logging, fires, and human encroachment? Um, for now, um, to educate the people, we have several um, strategies to conduct this. Like, we realize that uh, the, to educate the people is not limited only the people in the rural areas or for the community that's living adjacent with the habit of, of the Japan Gibbon, but we also to we, we also have to gather the support from the public in the urban area. So that's why we have like the um, public campaign once a year 
So it's to celebrate the International Gibbon Day in the October 24th. So usually uh, together with some volunteers that come in from the university, we have like the public campaign. So everyone can gather the families, kids, and um, yeah, everyone basically. And they will join our activity that consists of like the um, photo exhibition and also the storytelling and make the handicraft and so on. And it was, uh, yeah, it is the time, it is the right time to, to, to spread the information and also to educate the people because even though these um, people are living nearby, the, the, nearby uh, at the nearby city nearest from the, my site, not all of them knows about these species. So I think it's very important to educate people in the urban area itself. And I help a lot. I got a lot of help from the volunteers that coming from the universities. And usually we conducting like the school visit. So we have like the um, several targets of the schools that we want to visit and do the presentation and also make some games and to educate the next generation because I don't want the next generation only hear the voice of the different people through the museum or, or only in the zoo, but I want them to hear the beautiful song of the Japan Gibbon right in the habitat itself. Mm, I yeah, I really hope so too. I want to see the animals in the wild. Yeah, you have to. So Rahayul, yep. what long term go goals do you have with this project? Um the long-term goal for the for this project. So um, I want this project um, to be able to protect the Japan Gibbon, to conserve these species by influence the community members. So they can be like the guardians of the rainforest. And also I want this project to be able to influence the policymaker to develop like the appropriate conservation and management plan for these species because it's really needed. Yes, for sure. And I hope that people realize how important it is. So we have two final questions. Yes, uh, we have two final questions that we usually ask our speakers at the end of the podcast. And the first question you have to fill in. And the question is, the most important thing I can do to help the planet achieve sustainability is... Um, to realize that human is part of the ecosystem, so we have to be responsible to yeah to sustain this world. That's true. It's up to us, right? Yes. And finally, the last question is: What is a positive message you want to communicate to our listeners? Listeners, so yeah, I think all of us can make difference. No matter how small it is, all of us can do something for this planet. And yeah, each of us has a role to play. And I think we have, we have to do it right now. Not tomorrow, not in the future, but right now. Yes, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I am so happy that you agreed on uh, talking to us today. My pleasure. <laughs> I, I I feel like um yeah me and Evelyn we've been uh, doing a lot of research about the Jawangi bones and also just habitat loss in general and I hope that this podcast will inspire people to do the same and yeah, inspire them to you know want to protect. 
We want to give our many thanks to Rahayu who wanted to join our podcast to talk about her important work. If you want to know more about the Yava Gibbon project, you can visit her Instagram, Roktaviani. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in order to be the first to know when a new episode is released. We look forward to seeing you next week.